Welcome to the White Wall Cinema Podcast. Today we'll be discussing Ari Aster's paranoid odyssey, Boa's Afraid, starring Joaquin Phoenix. Welcome to another White Wall Cinema Podcast. We are a pop-up in Central Brighton. Uh, we bring interesting, unusual, fun, overlooked cinema both old and new, to the people of Brighton. This is our new podcast. I'm here with my uh, co-host and general co-conspirator uh, <laughs> on cinema, uh, Layla. Hello. And uh, today we're going to be talking about Ari Aster's Bo is Afraid. Now, Ari Aster is the director, director of Hereditary and Midsommar, um, two uh, films that got a lot of attention. Uh, over the last few years and there's been a bit of a gap I think maybe four years since Midsommar since, since he's done that yeah, uh, to, to make Bo is Afraid which I think was initially supposed to be his first film oh really um, yeah I think that was that was his intention mm. um, but um, his career would have been a different story a different that had come first. <laughs> entirely so let's get into that <laughs> and um, Bo is Afraid is essentially a, a movie of uh, kind of uh, a paranoid uh, Oedipal uh, journey, a kind of odyssey of Joaquin Phoenix, who um, is plays Bo, uh, where he, the very basic, I mean, this is a very complex, unusual, um, strange, purposely strange film about a man essentially who, you know, lives with paranoia, lives yeah. with, with anxiety. Um, anxiety. Yeah. Uh, well, and Maybe stronger than anxiety. Strong, yeah, <laughs> yeah, very extreme anxiety. Uh, and essentially, the plot of the movie is is he's um, trying to get home to his mum. And well, actually, I have a thing here. Ari Aster described it as um, a Jewish Lord of the Rings, but Bo is just trying to get to his mum's house. Yeah. Rather than I don't know to Mount Doom or whatever it is they're trying to, yeah. so, so that is a that's an a, unwarranted uh, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. <laughs> so there's no need for the journey. No, um, it's just sort of um, a, a living nightmare, really. This movie, and I don't just—I mean, that's not strictly my review, although that wouldn't go amiss <laughs> as the review. But it is, um, you know, a living a living nightmare where one kind of problem—you know—anything that can go wrong does go wrong. One kind of problem stacks up onto another and then there's occasionally a sort of soothing moment um that's kind of quickly it quickly erupts into some other or brews into some other situation um that's sort of horrible as well yeah um and um i mean how you <laughs> we're about a week out now from seeing this we went to see this it's on the first already. yeah we went to see this on the first sort of general release day mm. of the friday and you, you you're about a week now so, from it how are you feeling <laughs> Generally, how are you feeling? Like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be, like, unkind to it. Like, everyone in the reviews that I've read, a lot of it is like, this is like an anxious mess of a film with just, like, it's self-indulgent. There's too much going on. There's no need for any of it. It's just sprawling tangents. Like, you know, that can be good, but it's not done well. And then it's like, but I'm glad this exists in a lot of the reviews. Yes. And I kind of feel the same way. In the sense that, like, I don't want all films to just be the same and to be boring and to not be trying to experiment and do something. Like, I'll give it that. I'm glad it exists. Is it experimenting or is it trying to experiment? It's trying to experiment. This is where I was going. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, I'm glad it's trying, but it failed. 
yeah. <laughs> <laughs> miserably. It's, I mean, it's just like there are. I think it had potential, and like partly just because it's got Joaquin Phoenix on board. Yeah. And like I, I think as like and there's um, some other good cast members in there. Yeah, some other good cast. Nathan members. Lane is the one that sticks out to me. Who's Nathan uh, Lane? He plays the uh, father. Uh, in the the there's at one point where Bo is in a sort of suburban home for a period of time. Okay. Um. And oh yeah, yeah. The, the, <laughs> yeah. And the father is Nathan Lane. Yeah. He's obviously, funny. And he's most, sort of reliable. Yeah. Comedy. Yeah. Actor. Yeah. And he's made he's funny in this. Uh, but probably my favourite role of Nathan Lane is his very very small role in uh, Austin Powers Gold Member. But that's a whole other oh that's a whole other podcast. Yeah. But yeah, Nathan Lane is always reliable. Okay. As so a it's sort got- of like good and also the woman actress that's from the, the wire. wire i don't yeah. know her name sorry but uh, she plays his wife uh, her name is uh amy ryan yeah but yeah so she plays nathan lane's wife yeah they're both good yeah okay but like <laughs> there's so much to say about this film like it's it's like it's trying to do something and it's like falling short of it you're not quite sure what it's trying to do the first like i don't know third of the film it's just kind of like him being horribly anxious and like his life in his flat in his, his apartment, apartment which mm. is just like in ruin and he's on this living on this street where it's just everything is just disgusting and everyone's gone wild and my interpretation of it was like i didn't know if any of it was even happening i thought is this just his mental illness is this all hallucination but I kind of thought that the whole film was going to be like three painful hours of that. And yeah. I was kind of down for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like as a, an well, experiment. The, the very first section of the film, yeah, it's just him in his apartment and trying. Yeah. And as we've all had those very anxious moments when we're trying to leave our apartment for and something. And that was like having an effect on me when I was watching it. I actually was, ah, there were, okay, there was a moment where I was like, am I going to have to leave? Because my heart rate, like the thing with the spider going under the table or under the sofa... And just all the like small anxieties. It's basically like a paranoia film. Yeah. And it was making me feel really paranoid. Yeah. But I was kind of wanting it to be that. But then it just went on too many tangents and became like several different films. But didn't, for me, hold together in any like coherent way that made any sense or had any like worthy payoff. Well. Thoughts. Well, for me, (laughs) for me, it's it's a bit of a derivative film because it's sort of... um... Well, it's derivative of his own work for a start because the sort of attic from Hereditary makes an appearance, essentially. There's a sort of, uh, again, not spoilers, but there's a sort of uh, incident or moment very quite late in the film that echoes something that happens in Midsommar. Um, And then, you know, it's trying to be uh, kind of Lynchian or maybe uh, Todd Solon's or uh, Leos Carax, uh, thinking something like Holy Motors. Or there's even a bit of... um, uh, quite specifically a bit of Albert Brooks defending your life yeah in there and uh, I also thought that like it had a little bit or it wanted to have a bit and you might I don't know if you'll yeah. agree but like you know like good time and uncut gems like the sprawling kind of paranoia weird world of like you're in a city I'm gonna assume it's New York I don't know really where it was but like just wacky things happening all the time. And you're just sort of paranoid. You know, like, why are people behaving like this? Yes, definitely some safties. Yeah, some safty influence, yeah. but like not well done. No. <laughs> well, uh, I don't know if safties influence, I don't know if safties is well done anyway, but so, some, some, okay. some isn't, but um, you know. Yeah, okay. We'll talk about that on yeah, another podcast. Yeah, that's another podcast. But with, uh, there's also the biggest influence, like chiefly is obviously, well, 
there's some kind of Michelle Gondry stuff here, mm. visually. But of course, the biggest draw or the biggest relevancy there is obviously like Charlie Kaufman stuff. Yeah. And we were both obviously... Kind of amazed at the direct pulling. A particularly strong influence is Synecdoche, New York, mm. uh, where the street that is outside Bo's apartment, which, by the way, is a great set, yeah. actually, um, uh, in the beginning of the film, is very reminiscent. It's almost a little post-apocalyptic, <laughs> in a sense. It's a sort of a horrible future that we're... I mean, y- you can make the argument this is in Bo's mind, but yeah, either way... it could just be a disgusting <laughs> world that he lives in. But either way, uh, Synecdoche, New York, has the same kind of street yeah. outside of the warehouse that is one of the main kind of components of that film. And it has other elements like um, sort of long lost sons yeah. or play children yeah or kind of the, the passing of time very speeded up passing of time segments happening that or just yeah the play which is like mirrors characters there's a, there's a moment in bow where there is a play happening and the characters sort of mirror the characters in in the, the storyline of the film mm. which is essentially what synecdoche new york is yeah and it just goes in synecdoche new york it just goes way too far <laughs> yeah like and you just don't know where reality, like where it begins and ends anymore. And it's but like it, it's just a, it seems like a direct lift by yeah. by uh, Ari Aster to, yeah. to, to to do that. Um, and and uh, I, sadly, it doesn't have the kind of Kaufman's Charlie Kaufman's like depth of skill in portraying the mental state and the kind of you know co- comments or commentary that he produces to allow you to understand that. Asta doesn't have that, you know. It's it's a haphazard approach that Arias has yeah. got. It, it comes off as a sort of maybe it's almost like a B movie in some ways. Well, yeah, because what he's trying to do with that Charlie Kaufman type playing with time and meta play within a play, like that requires a level of planning and detail and just meticulousness that this film just doesn't have. Yeah, I, I, and I would just say intelligence. Yeah, intelligence. I, mean, I was going to say philosophy. In the writing. I <laughs> yeah. mean, I'm not saying yeah. Arias is yeah. not an intelligent guy because this is a complex film to yeah. make. And, you know, you, he has, you have to have a level of, some level of talent, mm. some some real significant mm. level of talent to make a film this complex or indeed, you know, um, just some of the production value of, 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 of his movies. And, yeah. You know, and... Uh, well, that's my main problem with Bo is Afraid and every Ariaster film is that I just think they're so juvenile. Yeah, and then it makes me like you know we are fans of Joaquin Phoenix, but then it makes it really hard to not like you said like kind of losing my patience here because it's like with, let you have it with the Joker, okay? Yeah, patience with Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. you mean yeah. It's like okay, I understand you need to make money. You're you're an actor. You you need you need an yeah. income. Yeah. And, and can... you're making certain choices. Like you're you're doing good things with your career, okay? Yeah. But like, there's only so many Mis- chances. Yeah, misfires. And like. It's just so juvenile. Like, none of it holds together. There's no intelligence behind it. It's just kind of like... There's not enough care behind it. So, I mean, we're being, you know... We're being harsh on Bo here. I mean, there are virtues to Bo, and we'll get into that. Um, Not Bo the character, but Bo is afraid the movie. But I, I, I have to say, the thing about it is... And this is what will upset people. There were certain people that are going to be upset by what I'm going to say. But... Um, I think Bo is afraid when it comes to Hereditary and Midsommar. Bo is afraid somehow. The thing that the thing that astonished me mm. uh, as leaving leaving the, the movie theater was how this film could be uh, so much better. 
to my mind in so and so much more interesting mm. or you know well uh these these are all words that don't really go with with, with the film but well conceived or yeah. whatever than uh, midsummer and hereditary it's so much better than those two films but it's still a terrible film yeah and and that <laughs> oh is that God. will give you some such an endorsement that will give you some um i will perhaps quantify this a bit more but that will give you some uh clue as to where the kind of esteem that i hold uh his previous films in but yeah. it, it it seems to me well that- there's more there's more to it than there was to Midsommar. Like, Midsommar, to me, was just like, I have discovered folk, yeah. pagan religion, and yeah. I'm obsessed with the aesthetic, and now let me just give you, like, two and a half hours people, of this. The thing is, people... But there's nothing to it. The thing is, people love Midsommar. I know. And <laughs> um, and, and people are going to be upset with us for, like, being down well, on look, Midsommar. But the, the thing we is... We can't all think the same thing, No, no, that's true. That would be very boring. But the thing is, so... Bo is Afraid is, in essence, I guess, a movie um, about, um, I mean, I, I don't know what the sort of political persuasion of this movie is in a way, um, or, or what it, whether it's what, it, what it's attacking mm. or it's not attacking. But there seems to be, you know, on the face of it, if you like, the, the essence of the movie is that it is a sort of attack on Big Pharma and over-medication. Uh, on kind of general kind of molly coddling and kind of um what do we what, what do they, helicopter parenting. helicopter parenting let's say helicopter parenting but like a very f- female matriarchal yeah so which i think helicopter mothers yeah so it's, it's sort of an attack on that and it's also sort of um uh you know it's about a guy that just needs to get laid yeah ultimately. basically it's sort of about the dangers of celibacy yeah <laughs> in a weird way yeah. so you know, but the the real thing about it is, is that having said all that, this movie and Ari Aster's movie in general, his movies in general, they just don't have any ideas in them. Like no ideas of real It's like note Ari Aster discovers Sigmund Freud. Yeah. So and then it's like I need to make a three-hour film. That's the same as Midsummer. It's like Ariasta discovers paganism. Yeah, or discovers the Wicker Man. Yeah, yeah. and then it's just very surface-level, shallow mm. um, project because he likes the aesthetic of something. It's just like it's not enough. Because even if you're going to talk about aesthetic, and people might just go Wes Anderson, totally different thing because it's mm. like much deeper, much more dedicated. Mm. It's it's even something it's as not, surface level as Anderson only, is. It's only is surface deeper. level in the sense that yeah. like the actual aesthetic is surface level, but it it runs deeper. There's ideas behind it. There's philosophy. There's principles. With this, it's just like it's so juvenile. Like he's discovered these things too late. I, I feel you're quite angry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> which is perfectly reasonable well, I'm, i might be a little bit angry because i sat there for three hours and i was hoping that it would be better than it was but, i mean part of the project of Bo is to uh alienate and anger the audience that is part of what it's about yeah but you can anger the audience but you're gonna anger the audience by how bad your film is well I, I, is that your goal uh maybe i Think that's so, a, I think that's a good excuse. Well, let me just say... Oh, listen, I accidentally made a bad film. Let me just tell everyone that was the whole point. The thing the thing <laughs> is this, right? No. <laughs> so it's, it's, you know, there aren't very many ideas uh, that are really interesting or of note in the movie, to me, yeah. uh, to, in Bo is Afraid. But, you know, 
there are more ideas in it than there are in Midsommar. And Midsommar is a, a movie that people really, really liked. Or not everybody, of course, but many people are yeah. really big fans of it. And, you know, um, you know, as far as sort of Midsommar is concerned, you know, it... it there's no ideas in it. It, it. it is the biggest culprit for just being a sort of, I would say it's a surf, it's a film that exists on the surface level, but I'm not entirely sure it exists on that level either. It's just sort of everything about it is very, very obvious. You yeah. know, you, 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 you've watched The Wicker Man, you've read some books about, you know, uh, occult and paganism and so on. And you just sort of run through a checklist of what you would then do if you were going to make a movie like mm. that but let's sprinkle a little hipster on it yeah let's just uh place yeah. some university students in the middle yeah and, and like <laughs> one of their girlfriends well the thing about it is that the thing that's really odd about midsummer is that none of the characters have any personality whatsoever they are barely people like there's the, there's a girlfriend character it's like the girl let's say the yeah. girlfriend character who cries all the time yeah there's a boyfriend who's just like an arsehole all the time mm. or spineless mm. and then there's a sort of studious one like none of these people have any personality or character development they just exist mm. purely so that asta can have this playground to sort of you know dress up florence Pugh and do some sort of creepy Put some flower crowns on people do some creepy cool imagery which, by the way, is neither cool nor creepy, <laughs> in my estimation. And then he sort of pretends, and genuinely, the, it, it pretend, you know, Midsommar pretends there is some sort of bigger, more intelligent ideology at play, which there isn't. And, you know, Hereditary does that a bit as well. But there's this sort of, it's a sort of bland, generic, obvious series of ideas that play out in a kind of laborious and tedious fashion. I'm talking about Midsommar, although I could be, to some degree, talking about, Bo is afraid there and so there are no to me there's no ideas of interest in either of those movies and there's nothing that you understand about life or the human condition after coming out of Midsommar uh, than you knew going in you don't learn anything mm. you know there's no in, nothing new in it it's a it's sort of superficial vacuous facade of a film and and and, and you know it, it, it's a, it's the emperor's new clothes. Like it's a, a great classic example, Midsommar, of the emperor's new clothes. Now, the different, the why I say Bo is maybe better than mm. Midsommar is because, you know, whilst the ideas are lacking, you know, the the the, the ideas in Bo are really just they're a, not fleshed out enough. I think is the thing, which is ironic given that it's a three-hour film. It's like spend more time over fewer ideas and make them work. Make them play out intelligently yeah i mean uh, i don't mind that there's you know i don't mind a cacophony of noise in a film we yeah. talk, talk, go back to babylon and for, yeah. on that but um you know it's just a, a collection of very obvious psychological ideas that don't surprise mm. or i mean films don't have to entertain but they don't entertain either and they, but they're really the key is they don't sort of stimulate any new thought as i think cinema you know being a bit grandiose about it should sort of stimulate some sort of some new thought. Having having said that, though, having said that, the reason why it's up on Midsommar, basically, is because we do learn something, I think, about Asta himself. Whereas these, you know, Hereditary is basically a sort of, you know, fairly mid-level sort of, the kind of horror movie that you see quite commonly now yeah. with some ideas above its station you know it's pretending to be a bit more than it is but that's not a unique crime of but of, in the same way with of, midsummer it's like hereditary is the same thing it like by the end of it you're like 
I feel like this thought it was doing something more than it did, and I'm still looking for like what the message is. Yeah, and but it's it, just it's just not there. But there's 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 some there's some kind of you know there's some burge- there's something there, but not not much, right? Mm. In my mind, Mitsumara is completely devoid of everything. I think mm. there's kind of nothing in it whatsoever, and um, you know it's just pretending to be something. And a lot of people have. I don't know what whether that just they like the aesthetic or what you know because there is some nice kind of light in it and open spaces and things like that. But it's, it's not really anything. There's nothing there to do, to be discussed. You know, there's no there's no kind of like uh, intellectual underpinning of it whatsoever. But with Bo is afraid, it, I think in a way it's kind of autobiographical, basically in the way that Charlie Kaufman's works are because yeah. it's obviously not real in any sense, and it may not even be real in the central character's mind. But these are just sort of things that obviously do rattle round Asta's head. And whilst these are not maybe, at least to me anyway, particularly clever or interesting, because they're sort of, you know, they're, they're sort of things that you recognise as maybe anxieties that we've all had or anxieties that people with very strong anxieties have or whatever, you know, but they're not groundbreaking. You don't go, uh, you, you, you don't just, you know, because a lot of time you can have something that you recognise and you say, Oh, you know, I recognise that. That is, you know, I can relate to that. that well, that's one thing. Well, but I it, felt that way in the first, I don't know, fifteen twenty minutes. But it it burns out of that, and it just it just becomes sort of like, I, um, you know, the the these things are true, but they're a bit too obviously true. So I'm not like uh, I'm not amazed yeah, nothing, by yeah. it, or and particularly the well, without giving away any spoilers, but towards the end when he finally gets to where he's trying to go. There's a lot of exposition in the dialogue and it's very basic and it's explaining these basic concepts and oh and here's what happened in the plot which we just watched and mm. let me explain you thought this and actually it's this and it was so babyish. Mm. It's like I don't need you to explain this to me right now. I just sat through three hours of it. <laughs> I saw it. And you're sort of trying to hammer home a point. You're trying to hammer home a point where there is no point. It's... No. Well, the, 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 all I was going to say is that compared to Midsommar, which is basically a kind of nothing, mm. at least this, uh, even if it wasn't that clever, um, especially for the kind of runtime that it's got to play, as we you may have gleaned, it's a three-hour movie. <laughs> which, <laughs> I remember. Which, yeah. Um, it's sort of... Um, in the at, last at least, like half an hour, I was just thinking, like, what am I having for dinner? Yeah, like, let le- me leave, please. <laughs> at least I don't think I don't understand how you could think about eating whilst watching this movie. But <laughs> well, it can be done. That's another story. But um, uh, because it is kind of a grotesque movie, and it there is. is a lot of a lot of it is sort of shock value, um, uh, which you know can have its place. But I think the point I was going to make, sorry, is just that it is sort of authentic to a degree. Mm. Whereas Midsommar is completely inauthentic and it's just an exercise in... Uh, an exercise in, 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 in it's just me- riding on... In the- making a kind of millennial yeah. um, wicker man, yeah, right? Yeah, this yeah. And, and it's just... It's really... It's quite... It is quite... Uh, you know, I think it's quite a cynical movie in a lot of ways. This, at least, there's some honesty and maybe you don't need to sit through it. You know, maybe you, you think I don't need to... Uh, sit through somebody else's therapy session or whatever, but I think there, that's its virtue in a way is that it is uncompromising uh, and it is less cynical because it is. Um, it's not that it isn't entirely uncynical. It's, it's dedicated just, to its own. Yeah, he, BS. at least yeah, exactly. No, exactly. At least the guy is saying something about himself. Yeah, even if what he's saying is 
I'm really, really paranoid. Mm. And actually, maybe that's, uh, and I've had many, you know, kind of weird thoughts in my mind. Maybe they're not that interesting, but like I'm making a movie yeah. anyway. But I feel like I'm, I enjoy, like I would enjoy listening to your therapy session fine. Like, I like having that sort of voyeurism. Mm. And especially when it's like an, an auteur and you're saying like it's like personal to the director in the sense of like Charlie Kaufman or even, sorry, Woody Allen. Yeah, <laughs> we don't talk about Woody. But <laughs> it's just got to be done well. Like, it's yeah. not that I'm not game yeah. to like indulge yeah. in your sort of BS and your, your psychodrama. Yeah. I'm down to, to to engage with that. But it's just like, it just falls short. And it doesn't do what I want it to do or expect it to do. Well, which is basically just like be a sustained attack on like anxiety and paranoia and like craziness, but in a way that keeps you hooked. I think it would be, f- I think, you know, again, I hate to keep going back to Midsommar, but I think it's really important the relationship between the two. I think it'd be fine. I, I, you know, I would have less of a problem with Midsommar if people hadn't kind of had this idea which you know i would love someone to really like dig in and explain to me yeah what they because i i'm it's not a lot of times with with, with these with certain films and i guess a24 is a bit of a culprit for this but you know they're sort of films that um are set up to be good clever important stylish whatever and all they are is really just a kind of aesthetic that then you will say to people what is it about this movie that's good? Because I can't find it. And they will sort of give you a response. Not everybody, of course, but certain people will give you a response that's sort of like, you don't understand it. It's like, no, I do understand it. I understand or, it. Or help me understand it yeah. there. No, but as in, if I really don't understand it, please elaborate. Then, no, exactly. But I mean, I, I, they'll say that you don't understand it. I'm, I'm saying, no, I very clearly understand it. I just think you're seeing something, you know, again, Empress New Clothes, you're seeing something that isn't actually there mm. because you wish to see it, which mm. is a perfectly normal thing that people do. Yeah. I just think that it's, um, uh, you know, I really think Midsommar is about nothing. It's like about absolutely nothing. And then you'll get people that say, and, and that's you can the say, point. Yeah, no, but he could, no, well, let me say this. You can say, oh, you know, it's about trauma. And it's like, well, I mean, you know, this, yeah. these are not good enough answers. But um, about it, you know, it, it, they suffer from a, 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 all of his films suffer from, an, you know, a, a false sense of kind of self-importance. And, you know where it comes with with Midsommar, I think it's sorry with 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 Bo is afraid, is that you know he is being honest about himself, so that takes away a little bit about. I think he is. Yeah, it's a bit, it's endearing. Yeah, at least to a degree yeah. because of that, and that's what I'm talking about when I say like I agree with these critics that are saying I'm glad it exists yeah. because. I want to live in a world where ideas can be explored. Yeah, and I'm up for a very bloated, like strange or kind of misfire, misfire of a movie. You know, yeah. I love those. Yeah. Those are quite valuable things. This one isn't. You know, that a lot of people are going to say about Bo is Afraid. You know, I mean, basically nobody is going to like this movie really, apart from people who are. You know, uh, well, the only way you can enjoy or like really like this movie is if you do think there's something underlying it all, and that it has some sort of like something to say. Well, I've but seen... all I've heard of that so far is like it has something to say. I don't know what it is yet, yeah. but like we're all going to figure it out. There's nothing to figure out. I've seen the argument. <laughs> I've seen the argument that you should just sort of, um, you know, watch the movie and let it wash over you. 
Um, I mean, what I mean is, you know, people sort of advise, and there are are movies like this that you should advise this. Mm. Like, don't follow the plot. Don't try and follow the plot. Just let the kind of vibe and feeling and kind of atmosphere wash over you. But the thing is, in order to do that, you know, David Lynch, you could watch a David Lynch movie and, you know, you could watch several movies. In, in, you could, there's several movies out there I'm thinking of now that you can watch in several different ways. You can try and unpick it or you can try and just allow the mood to wash over you. And is the mood that is the thing that's trying to be imparted. Um, and, you know, it, but it doesn't have the kind of tactile, kind of visceral nature of a David Lynch movie. Um, it, it doesn't have enough kind of craft on that level uh, or kind of psychological underpinning that you don't, you know, again... It's not a puzzle to be solved. You know, there are puzzles, you know, Mulholland Drive is both a kind of puzzle to be solved, if you like, if you're watching it with that kind of hat on. Yeah. And it, but it, on the other side, it's also just a, a kind of tactile, visceral experience that you can feel without actually having to kind of unlock the meaning of the movie. The thing about uh, Bo is Afraid is that, you know, people will say, you know, don't, you know, don't follow the plot and just sort of, take in the general but there's not enough again you you have to have something behind the kind of surface that you're trying to project and also to, 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 so you you don't necessarily understand you don't have to understand but there has to be something to understand yeah. in a sense but also if that's the case i think you need a bit less maybe a bit less of a a plot in a way like one of the problems with it it's not that the plot is complex because it, it's not like that but it, it goes so many different places like mm. when they end up he ends up in that house and then there's a brother who's gone and there's a um an army vet vet yeah. living with them and then so you, you've got no choice but to it's, think okay what what's this about yeah and try and sort of work but out they're broadly about nothing which yeah, people some people would see as, as a virtue but again, I think you have to have more of a kind of psychological underpinning, if not kind of a actual logical underpinning yeah. for that to work. I don't think there's actually any kind of, um, you know, thought no. that is uh, about that. I think it's just a movie that is designed to um, and doesn't really succeed, yeah. should I say, in trying that's designed to and doesn't really succeed in allowing you to feel the mental state of being anxious exactly. and erratic and confused yeah. and afraid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think actually thinking about it now, one of the things that I think it could have done better to have that effect of getting you into the psychological experience of Bo, it's like it needed more of that David Lynchian like subliminal aspect. That's what's that's the uh, that's kind of what I'm getting at. Yeah. yeah. It need it needs more of that. Like if you're if if this is an attempt to just put me in like an anxiety ridden paranoia nightmare, fine. But like make it work yeah. by like having smaller things happening all the time to just make me feel slightly uncomfortable, rather than like leaning so much on a plot that is like half baked and just very basic. I mean, for as a for instance, you know, Lynch might use a um, he might use a character that's been traumatized. Uh, and have them act in a way that you might not expect them to by being completely shut down and still mm. and do nothing because this is indicative of real certain mm. kind of real trauma. And it's very unnerving because 
they're completely kind of a frozen character or you know he maybe will do some sound design that is a very low yeah that's what i really enjoy is like yeah. the sound design yeah. and the little things we're like did i just hear that no, but, like, I mean, it, Ast- why do i suddenly feel Asta does go in on the sound design yeah. but it's a little too much mm. it's a little showy the yeah. sound design in his but movies. then it, it does the opposite doesn't it because it's yeah. not subliminal enough it, takes it needs you out to be it. like right underneath where i'm thinking is this really happening? Did I just hear that? I mean, Tar's <laughs> another great example where it has a yeah. kind of noise Drone. that is that increases throughout the movie, which when you're very subtle in the beginning to the point where I, I was wondering if I was hearing something from the cinema next door. You know, sometimes when you're in a cinema and you can hear the film next door is making some sort of noise. I wondered if it was that, but then it, it occurred to me that this is actually, you know, this yeah. is a, a constant noise that was coming through to create, yeah. to add another layer of of actual kind of physical subliminal messaging, yeah. if you like. And I think that... Rather than psychological subliminal messaging. Mm. I think that's why I'm slightly annoyed because I I wanted it to be that. Like I was willing, I was kind of like rooting for it. Yeah. when I went into it like maybe partly because of Joaquin Phoenix who I just like feel fondly towards but, and then and I think he's good there'll be other things I was just going to sorry to come back I was just going to say other things like I don't know you know maybe um, the pa- the path of the car you know the camera moves at the beginning of The Shining or whatever uh, that whether when the family are driving up to the Overlook Hotel and then camera moves later in the movie when he's running around the maze. Mm. These are like kind of matched. So maybe, for, they're but, matched for feel yeah. to give you a kind of physical, psychological uneasiness. Yeah. It doesn't have that physical, psychological uneasiness in the terms of in terms of anything other than maybe the way it's cut. Well, I was, gu- I was just going to say that maybe the problem is in the edit too because I feel like more care needs to be taken in the edit of the film to make it have those like horrible like... Ugh feelings well overall that physical construction of the film needs to be better for that uh and 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 then the ideas and the story and the plot points and the performances needed to have more um you know i want to say little tricks that basically you know um uh build in a cycle i mean there are things uh, there's like a, 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 I'm not going to spoil the movie, but there's a, and I'm just talking to those that have seen it here. But there's a, a small uh, toy boat that like moves along the floor mm. and then like like basically like like smashes over or whatever. There's all these bits of foreshadowing and stuff like that 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 are trying to do that but don't really achieve it. Maybe because the film is not you know clean enough or concise mm. enough. Um, and I you know again I'm not against the movie that will just batter you with sound and noise yeah uh or or confusing ideas in order to create something but you have to have a real method in your madness to make that work yeah there has to be a clarity that is not obvious but is just inherent well that's the thing in the noise in a very strange way because although people are saying like well what is this what is it about it is also just too obvious yeah and like even just things like there's a flashback that happens um of him as a child in a, with like a boy, an overflowing bath. With a boy that looks like a CGI version. Yeah, terrifying. A, a CGI. I, I, I might get got this wrong, but there's a boy who plays a young... As you say, there are a few flashbacks in the movie, and there's a boy who plays a young uh, Joaquin Phoenix or a young Bo who just looks like a sort of CGI child. Like he's been... Yeah. Like he's like... A, like it's like they've done some crazy de-aging on yeah i mean it's not but the, 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 this is just the thing is this is just a real kid and they've the, tried, his, it's like they've tried to I make got, their no, eyes look the same i've or got something. To, i've got to say it isn't that this kid is a, just a no actual kid that yeah. looks like that and he's like 
Twitter bio or whatever says like I'm not CGI because <laughs> everybody thinks that he's just oh he just God. really looks like yeah. sh- he not only okay, does he so then do we say well he was like badly lit or something <laughs> yeah well it, this, or like weird makeup I think there are I think there's some attempts to make it look uh, to be purposefully creepy there are it's not just him it's the world that he's in. it's not yeah, just well, this, I mean, he's, it's he's, not just this kid that's purposefully creepy no but he's but, been cast for a reason but the scenes that are the uh, sort of flashback scenes with the mother and the child yeah and they're like on a boat at one point and what have you and those things are made to look artificial yeah and look kind of like they've got a a kind of weird kind of glaze over them to make them seem like um creepy sunny memories yeah you know so i mean this kid but this kid looks like he is this personified as a human but even like the reveals in the film moments where you know we've been watching the film we're supposed to be a plot twist yeah and then there's supposed to be a plot twist and a character will reveal something you just end up feeling like yeah i already knew that yeah like this is not a plot twist like duh obviously this was so (laughs) obvious so coming a mile off like and then i'm just annoyed but that's the same with midsommar i mean everything about midsommar just like you can see it yeah like coming down the track down the track like a hundred miles off let alone a mile off yeah there's nothing in it i mean here's the thing here's the thing about the kind of style over substance of midsommar and then the kind of style and the certain kind of honesty and authenticity to a degree more with Bo is that there is this sort of school of thought um and you know i don't i don't tend to always you know this is true sometimes and and, and not true other times but it's a sort of like political analogy you know they uh people will say this thing oh you know they're all as bad as each other i think that's just something that people who are terrible people who are in terrible governments like to say so that everybody just thinks it's not worth doing anything about anything and they yeah, can, you have no choice they can, there's no hope they can continue <laughs> they can con- continue to trash everything but yeah. there's a sort of school of thought that um you know no matter what kind of parties in government um i promise this analogy will make sense that that, that they that they're all the same right mm. that they that the, the same government the governance happens no matter what government you know the same kind of deals are made the same kind of people are like prioritized you know um and so whether you've got let's say republicans or democrats the decisions that are made about you know paying this weapons manufacturer or um cutting this tax or whatever is broadly the same but the difference between the, the people will have this idea that the difference between the republicans and the democrats is that um you know the democrats will uh, do the same thing but they'll speak differently about it they'll put a kind of friendly face on it whereas the republicans basically have the decency to screw you to your face mm. they'll tell you we're going to cut taxes for these rich people and they'll they'll not just do it they'll also tell you about it they'll be they basically have the decency to be honest about their awfulness yeah and that's the difference because midsummer is i would say the democrats in that it is doing terrible things it's just awful. Masquerading. Yeah, but it's pretending to be something that's worthwhile mm. and good. And whereas Bo is a bit more honest, it is the same terribleness, but it's actually being a little bit more upfront about it. And it's actually, um, for that reason, as terrible as it is, you have to kind of give it a, a certain kind of respect. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that it, 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 I think it is trying to alienate the audience. I think it is trying to be exhausting and exacerbating. And you might be up for that. And I'm generally someone who doesn't mind that kind of mechanism being, you know, thrown at me, even for three hours, you know. But I don't think, ultimately, uh, it works enough. And I think... But if if its aim is to kind of try you, and if I'm (laughs) up for... 
if I'm up for being tested in this way, the only reason I'm up for it is because secretly somewhere I think I'm going to beat this. Yeah. I'm going to be the one person that watches this film. <laughs> and you know what I mean? It's like it tries my patience and I just come through the other side and I'm like, yeah, I'm cool with that. That was good. Yeah. But like, I'm not. But that has to then be the success of the film. Sorry to get philosophical about yeah. this. Yeah. Because if it's trying to try my patience and now I'm in a bad mood about it. <laughs> It's worked. Yeah. So well done. Yeah. It's a great film. Congratulations, Ariasta. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, uh, so, I mean, in conclusion, I just don't <laughs> think... Uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't have enough psychological underpinning to warrant uh, being this kind of psychological heavyweight, bizarre, erratic, weird odyssey. It yeah. just is an erratic, weird odyssey, and there's nothing more to it. Yeah. But at least, as I say, at least there's a certain amount of honesty, at least there's a certain amount of Astor's truth uh, inside the movie. And that will, you know, that I think, you know, maybe, um, you know, with Hereditary, uh, but particularly with Midsommar, like that's a settled argument for me. Like there's no way I'm going to go back in 20 years and go, oh, look, the genius of Midsommar. Because yeah. it just, I would just, just be like, there. there's nothing. No. But whereas it comes to, with this, you know, there may be something more to come out of it. There may be something more that we we might know about in twenty years. Mm. Oh, that is. Um, there's actually something to be harvested from that. Maybe it's ahead of its time. Yeah. May, <laughs> I know, do you know what? That's not true. No. But, but do you know what? I kind of feel like, and I don't know why I feel this way because I am not a fan of his work generally. So I have no idea why I feel this way, other than the fact that like Joaquin Phoenix is cast in this film. Hmm. Part of me feels like this is something he should have attempted down the line a little bit, like in a few films' time. Well, he wanted it to be his first film, so yeah, what that's a guy. insane. That's insane. <laughs> to he, to him, he thinks he's like deep into his career at this point. Yeah. He's been waiting to make this, but I, I, it feels like if you're going to do something so big, because it is trying to be big, and it's like almost not capable of being as big as it wants to be. No. And I just feel like he needs some more like. I don't know, filmmaking experience and a bit more criticism even to under like to 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 better himself well, as a director. He's gonna get the criticism on this one, I think, from some people. Well I maybe mean, something better will follow. I think people that did like his previous movies are not going to like this one as this yeah. much. But at the same time, I think some people there are going to be two classes of people. There are going to be people who are willing to accept it as it is and enjoy elements of it. And there are going to be other people who sort of pretend to because, again, with Aster movies and maybe you could say this is something that extends across A24, there's a lot of people who wish to pretend to enjoy it. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, that's actually in some ways a valid response as well. But it's... it's, it's um. It, it, again, it's a movie that is, uh, it's got a great big hole in the middle of it. And what that hole is, is interesting uh, ideas that allow you to learn something about the human condition. All it shows you is there is a human condition, which we're already yeah, aware of. But I feel like that was its only job also, yeah. you know, yeah. it's like, and you missed the mark completely. Well, you know, this is snake eating its own tail, isn't it? It's Ouroboros. Mm. You know, you, th this is a movie you can talk about um I wouldn't say endlessly, but you can, you know, look at it in so many different ways. And that, again, has to be a good thing. Yeah. Um, I don't think you could have that kind of debate about Midsommar. I think the, there's nothing kind of really um, to chew on there. And so at least there's a little something to chew on here, even if it's just sort of how awful it is, maybe deliberately so, how awful it is to sit in a movie theatre and watch this film for three hours. Yeah. But some people... Some people may enjoy it, but uh, I don't think... And also there were people in the cinema just like 
really laughing at it. So like, I don't know. It depends what your sense of comedy is, I guess. Yes, like, but there are there are people that do performative laughing. Yeah, there are, and there was a lot of that. <laughs> but I'm just saying, there might be someone who could just watch this as a straight comedy and enjoy it, but like not my style. Yeah, like, well, that's not because it's, it's not mine. But it's not even a horror. It's basically a horror movie that isn't it's a like, horror movie. Yeah, it's got like dark comedy elements to it. But like for me, even the bits that were trying to be funny were just not funny. It was mm. just too juvenile and obvious. It, Juvenile, you said it quite early on. That's a fairly decent summation of it. Um, it's not the sum total of this movie, but that you you know, but in it, you could apply that in several places in the career of Ariasta. Uh, but do you know what? God loves a trier, so <laughs> keep trying. We appreciate it. Keep trying. I'm open to like potential future films. Yeah, are you? I don't know if I am. I mean, I well, I feel I feel like I'm just in it for the long. Having said now. that, I thought I'd give I, I thought I'd given up on Toby Maguire, but uh, Babylon changed that for me. So a, I mean, you just don't know with people like yeah. directors. Yeah. Like I don't know, I'm holding out hope. Yeah, we're, we're, <laughs> we're despite this podcast, this angry podcast, we're <laughs> we're broadly optimistic that uh, maybe Ariaster will develop something if he can just get an idea and apply it to this this craft yeah. that he's trying to. You know, maybe we'll get something out of it. I don't know. I hold out hope, but. Uh, uh, we thank you for joining us on another <laughs> Whitewall Cinema podcast, and uh, you know, check us out. We, we, there might be another. We're on. I think did I say this already? We're on Amazon, we're on Spotify, we're on um, YouTube, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Apple Deezer. Deezer. We're all over the place. So you know, there might <laughs> be another one that you can click on right now and continue listening to. Uh, uh, maybe a slightly less angry version of what we've just done. But and to uh, all the people who love Midsommar, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> very sorry. <laughs> Please, yeah, don't hate yeah. us. Thoughts and prayers to Midsommar fans. <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, thanks, everybody, and we'll see you on the next White Wall Cinema podcast. Yeah.